few weeks ago as we launched into Advent, we started a short series entitled, Who is This Jesus? As we explore the reality and the impact of Christmas and the incarnation. A few weeks ago, we looked at John chapter one as we studied the implications of Jesus coming into the world as the son of God. We explore the deity of Jesus and what that means for us as his followers. Last week, we looked at Galatians and talked about the hope of adoption, that God has sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that we might be adopted as children of God. This morning, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, as we look at the implications of Jesus, who gives us a new confidence Our greatest struggle, whether we realize it or not, is finding our confidence in ourselves. And I'm here today to say that there are ugly consequences for those that find their confidence in anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted, as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And may we confidently draw near as we read God's word, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. Can we really have confidence in anything I'm sure that's what some of you are thinking. We can't have confidence in the market, can't have confidence in politicians, certainly can't have confidence in the weather, can't have confidence in our health, can't have confidence in our spouses and our children, and sometimes even our friends. So what gives us the right and the basis to say that we can have confidence In Jesus Christ, a new confidence that he alone provides. What the author of Hebrews is doing is he is presenting a vision for the church, the church in the first century and the church in the 21st century, of Jesus Christ, the one who gives you an absolute rock-solid, take-it-to-the-bank, unwavering confidence. To have this type of confidence seems too good to be true. So the question is, why can we actually have this type of confidence in Jesus Christ? I want to point out three things in the short passage that we read together this morning. We can have confidence in Christ because he's our great high priest We can have confidence in Christ because he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And we're able to have confidence in Christ because he allows us to draw near 
to the throne of grace. Let's study Hebrews chapter four together. Confidence in Christ. The author of Hebrews tells us first that the reason we can have this confidence is because Jesus is our great high priest. Now, what's interesting, if you're familiar with the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament, to be the high priest means you were the greatest. So the author of Hebrews is, in a way, being redundant. But it's almost as if he doesn't know how else to describe the superiority and the excellence of Jesus Christ. To be the high priest means you were the great high priest, but the author of Hebrews is saying he's the great, great high priest. That, that this Jesus, who is the high priest, that there is no one greater than him, he, that he is greater than any of the other priests, than any of the other high priests that have followed before him. The reason we can find our absolute confidence in him alone is because he is far superior and far more excellent than any other priests that have followed before. But then in verse 14, after describing Jesus as the great high priest, he says this great high priest has passed through. If you have your Bibles, underline those two words, pass through, because they're significant. That's priestly language. If you're not familiar with the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament, once a year on the Day of Atonement, or as our Jewish friends call Yom Kippur, the high priest would take the blood of a sacrifice of bulls and goats on behalf of the people of God. And the high priest would serve as a mediator. And he would take the blood of bulls and goats and he would pass through the courtyard and he would pass through the holy place and he would pass through the most holy place and before, until he was before the Ark of the Covenant, before the presence of God, and there he would atone for the sins of the people of God. He would pass through. He would pass through. But the problem is this great high priest would have to pass through every year. But this great high priest that the author of Hebrews describes is not passing through an earthly temple. And he's certainly not passing through with the blood of bulls and goats, but this high priest, and this is what makes him great and why we can have our confidence in him alone. It says in verse 14 that he has passed through to the heavens, to a heavenly sanctuary, to a heavenly throne. And the good news for those that find their faith and confidence in Jesus Christ is that there's no more passing through. Though we don't have to be concerned that Jesus does this over and over and over again because it was the sacrifice on the cross, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but the sacrifice of his own body, that on the basis of his blood and his righteousness that he passes through with a once and for all sacrifice, not through a temple made by human hands, but by the temple of our most high God. He has ascended to the throne and into the heavenly sanctuary once and for all. A better sacrifice, a better covenant, and the reason we can have our confidence in this great high priest, 
that the body that he had here on earth is now glorified and that great high priest is continually making intercession for us before that great high throne, pleading your case and my case on the basis of his blood. This is why Jesus is the great high priest, why Jesus is excellent and far more superior than anyone that has come before him. We can have our confidence in him because he is the great high priest who once and for all made the great sacrifice for the children of God. But secondly, we see that we can have our confidence in him alone because verse 15 tells us that he is able to sympathize with our weakness. It says it right there in verse 15. He is a great high priest not a high priest that's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect experienced temptation just like you and me, but without sin. You see, he does not sympathize like a father sympathizes with his children and looks with care and sympathy. No, this is the great high priest who sympathizes by actually becoming a co-sufferer with the child that is suffering. It would be as if a physician who's treating a cancer patient had cancer themselves, that they would be able to sympathize with the person that they are ministering to and they are curing. He suffers with us. For actually, Isaiah 53 says in verse 4, surely he has borne our grief. In some translations, it says that he has borne our infirmities. So he does not sympathize with us from a distance, but he enters into our suffering and actually takes on our suffering on, his, on our behalf. What are the implications? They're staggering it means that there is nothing in your life that Jesus hasn't experienced. He experienced every temptation yet without sin. This is what Christmas is all about. That Emmanuel has come to be with us. That he comes into our broken world and into our broken lives. And the incarnation of Jesus Christ declares that he is for us because he becomes like us. This is staggering. To come in the flesh means that he walked the streets and he experienced the brokenness. He experienced rejected and rejection and suffering and isolation and disappointment and extreme loss and weeping and even death. So that there would be nothing in your life, no suffering, no weakness, no temptation, that Jesus would be removed from. He's experienced it, yet without sin. See, the priests were supposed to be gentle mediators. The indictment that Jesus gives the priests in the first century, that they had become harsh and rigid and legalistic. I'm sure, you might know some people like that. But not this priest. He never grows weary because he sympathizes with everything that you experience. His sympathy and his mercy and his gentleness is endless. And as he ascends into heaven, 
He exists in bodily form as our great high priest, pleading for us with gentleness and with mercy and with sympathy. He is the one who comes as our great high priest. He is the one who's able to sympathize with our weakness. And third and lastly, and most importantly, we can have our confidence in him because he alone gives us access to the throne of grace. In verse 16, it says that we can draw near with confidence. The Bible tells us that we can never truly approach the throne of God because of sin until Jesus comes. And the whole reason that we're now able to approach boldly with confidence the throne is because this throne is built with the very merits of Jesus Christ. A throne, not of your work, a throne not built based on your merit, a throne not based on your righteousness, but a throne built by the very merits and righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that alone gives us the confidence to boldly approach it because it's made up of the very grace of God. This is the foundation for our confidence because if that throne was made up of anything else, we would never measure up. Thank God that that throne is a throne of grace. You see, every human has a limit, but not our great high priest because he has established his throne in the heavens, built on the foundation of his work and his righteousness and his grace. And that enables you and me, if we find our faith in Jesus Christ alone this morning, to boldly approach it like a child barging into his parents' room unannounced. That's the type of confidence that we have as we approach our Father's throne. Confidence to speak boldly to God, to speak frankly to God, full of freedom to hold nothing back and to speak with no fear. Because if you're here today and your confidence is in your job or in your social life or human approval, it will leave you with an empty hole in your soul that can never be filled our confidence must be on Jesus Christ, the great high priest who is able to sympathize with our weakness, who has established his throne of grace, which allows us, the children of God, to boldly approach him with no strings attached, forever secure, so that we can face anything in this life with complete assurance and certainty that we will never be turned away. Do you ever fear that God just kind of gets tired of hearing from us? You again? With all of your problems and complaints, this passage tells us that he never grows weary of hearing from his children. He is gentle and he's sympathetic to those that know him and those that find their confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Listen to me carefully as we close. His gentleness is not for everyone. His sympathy is not for all. 
If your confidence this morning is in anything other than Jesus Christ, the scripture tells us that you will actually experience the exact opposite of his, simple, of his sympathy and his gentleness. If your confidence is found in yourself, if your confidence is found in your righteousness, if your confidence is found on human approval and what you've accomplished in this life, you will not experience the gentleness and sympathy of God. But if you have placed firmly your trust and your faith in Jesus and him alone, you can live and exist with the good news and the hope that you have access to a throne of grace both now and forevermore. When we're weak, when we're scared, when we're anxious, when we're overwhelmed, insecure, and at a loss, he will hold me fast. When I fear my faith will fall and fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I can never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold, but he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Father in heaven, Lord, miracle of miracles, God with us, God in the flesh, the incarnation that provides us access to the throne room of God, not on the basis of our righteousness or our merit or our good works, but on the basis of the merits and righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. He is the great high priest who's able to sympathize with our weakness who allows us to come boldly with confidence to our Father. What great hope Christmas provides. But Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning. I pray for anyone watching at home that has built their life and their confidence on themselves, built their confidence on their record or their accomplishments, that they would run to the cross, that they would not build their confidence on the blood of bulls and goats, but they would build their confidence on the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're here today or listening at home, simply repeat these words. Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and make me new. You're able to sympathize with my weakness because you came and you were tempted. You suffered and you died. All without sin. Forgive me. Transform me. May your blood and your righteousness cover me today and forevermore. I become a child of God and build my confidence and my life on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified.
my great high priest. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.